Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cheetah Green Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester. Appreciate you tuning in. Today's edition is an interview show with the folks from Encore Golf, the chairman, Keith Blakely, and one of the co-founders, his son, Brett Blakely. Encore Golf is a golf ball company, at least that's what it started out as, uh, in Buffalo, New York. It has quickly become a technology company, and as one that has just done golf, I think, a little differently uh, from the get-go as far as attitude is concerned, um, trying to uh, break through in the golf world, and it all started with a golf ball that flew straighter, which, heck, who doesn't want their golf ball to go straighter. There's been uh, many iterations uh, of their golf ball and their latest golf balls are the Elixir and the Avant. Real quality golf balls. I play the Elixir uh, most often and I love the way it performs and I've played very well with it. But they have uh, some other exciting news that was announced uh, just about a month ago and I had an opportunity to go visit Encore Golf at their corporate headquarters in downtown Buffalo to find out more about the Encore Buffalo project and some other great things they have going on. Well, it's great to be sitting here at Encore Golf's headquarters in downtown Buffalo. It's a cool loft space. Uh, We'll get to that more in a second, but I want to start with uh, Keith Blakely here, the chairman uh, of Encore Golf, to talk about the new project that's happening in downtown Buffalo that people are are so excited about. And people have asked me, is this thing really going to happen? Um, you know, they think it just came up about three months ago, which is incorrect. This has been in the works for years. So, Keith, why don't you just talk about uh, you know, from the, the start, the concept of it, and, you know, to the announcement, to get to that point where, okay, we're going to announce this thing and it's going to blow people away. Sure. And that's a, I know that's a question that's probably got an answer that's a half hour long. <laughs> well, we'll try and keep it a little bit shorter yeah. than that. This started actually close to four years ago. Uh, I was contacted, we were contacted by a gentleman named Tim Campa down in Alexandria, Virginia. Tim was the operator of the very first Top Golf facility I've been in there, the United actually. States. Yeah, yeah, they've just recently closed it down. They've set up another one down the road in Ashburn, Virginia. But Tim had worked there from 2005 and, and really saw the evolution of Top Golf from this. Uh, UK-based business to something that became just an incredible success story in the United States. And he had reached out to us because he was looking to do something that was, in his world, uh, Topgolf 2.0. Wanted to elevate the gaming experience, wanted to look at some different uh, architectural and engineering approaches, making it much more uh, user interactive. He wanted to use real golf balls. And that was really what prompted his outreach to us. He had heard about Encore Golf, uh, knew that the big golf ball companies weren't going to pay that much attention to a startup company like his, and thought that we might be intrigued by the possibility of partnering up and working together. Well, we clearly were interested in selling golf balls to anybody that wanted to buy them. But as we learned a bit more about what Tim's ideas were, we thought, wow, this could really be a very interesting project in particular for a city like Buffalo where the golf season is somewhat limited guys would love to be hitting real golf balls in the middle of winter and seeing them go more than 150 yards or whatever inside a dome or yeah hitting the zipper 
uh, on, on the dome. <laughs> exactly. And of course, uh, we all know that Buffalo is a sports town with a drinking problem or a drinking town with a sports problem. <clears throat> and so the idea of bringing this uh, very social environment to uh, golfing and to gaming and all of that just seemed to be a perfect fit. And it has taken a long time to get it to the point where now we have a very solid foundation of the engineering and architectural elements that have to come together, the technology, <clears throat> the ball tracking, a number of things that had to be figured out in order to have it work, and quite honestly, to work in an environment like Buffalo, where we do have inclement weather every once in a while, where we have to think about you know, snow loads and, and winds and that sort of thing. And it's not easy, but our view right now is that Building it here will be a clear demonstration that we could build these anywhere in the country and be successful with them. And we're so excited because we partnered up as well with Doug Swift. Doug is the genius behind Riverworks, which a lot of people don't know, but they attract over a million and a half visitors every year. Tremendous number of people coming to that location. We're going to be at a site that's just down the road from that and truly believe that we'll uh, have similar numbers heading down to play golf to uh, have a good time with friends and enjoy all of the amenities that we're planning to bring to this facility. Brett, I, I know you've um, been to Top Golf and probably been to a lot of them in uh, researching this project uh, just to see how it works and how excited are you um, to have this come to Buffalo? Um, well, born in Buffalo, frankly, uh, you know, along with the Encore Golf Ball. And I, did you envision something like this when you started Encore Golf? I think it would be impossible to say that we envisioned putting a $30 million sports complex uh, in downtown Buffalo when we started seven years ago. Uh, we actually never knew that the evolution of Encore was going to go from just being a ball company to being a tech company that creates high-performance golf balls, but also now uses that tech to create unique one-of-a-kind experiences, um, you know, training launch monitors that'll create a better experience and improve the game. Um, so long story short, no, we, you know, we kind of thought we'd be sticking to golf balls and um, hoped we'd, you know, be able to be successful at that. It's, it's both exciting and frustrating when you hear the comparisons to Top Golf because it's exciting in the sense of Top Golf is a proven, uh, a proven model and it's something that if we were to just simply bring in a top golf that would of course be uh, something that we'd be really excited about what frustrates me is that we're doing a lot more i mean it's top golf 3.0 uh you know there's a person uh, from a very reputable um, golf review uh site that called it top golf meets the jetsons <laughs> so uh you know Top Golf is phenomenal, but it is limited. And the fact that we're going to kind of bring our, our whole brand identity and some of the missions that we had uh, in the beginning stages, which were to grow the game through diversity, um, not necessarily just go after the low hanging fruit, but actually you know, try and focus on demographics, uh, whether it's girls golf, children's golf, um, African-American golf, uh, you know, all sorts of golfers, you know, being, being able to bring them something in downtown where it's accessible to everybody rather than in the suburbs because of its unique design uh, and, you know, the small 
footprint that it does take in comparison to its competitors is really exciting. And then the fact that it's not just going to be golf. I mean, this is going to be something that you could go to 10, 20 times and never have the same experience. You know, our whole thought process behind how we're going to design the inside is to make it unique as well, to have different uh, experiences within the overall experience, whether you're going in to do mini bowling or to do indoor surfing or to use a virtual reality or to participate in esports or to do the golf or to watch a game. I mean, it, it kind of goes on and on. Um, so we're really, really excited about the opportunity to uh, not only bring this truly one of a kind in the world uh, facility, but also to have the flexibility to um, make it unique and as differentiated uh, from you know the inside as it is to the outside and, and putting it uh, in the industrial you know area that that is where Riverworks sits uh, I think is going to be a really neat kind of uh, dichotomy you know, you've got the old uh, you know history of Buffalo and then you've got this modern bringing Buffalo into the new age uh, and new era so yeah it's it's pretty damn exciting yeah it, you know all, all those things uh, sound exciting about it too and you know thinking about families and just thinking about you know uh, people want hey you want to go play esports well dad goes and hits golf balls or mom <laughs> mom goes and hits golf balls uh, you know I, I think that's a nice way to couple things together and perhaps expose you know moms and dads to the esports environment and, and some other options and, and, and there's another part of it that is fascinating and you, you differentiate differentiates from top golf there's a hotel uh, attached to this Keith tell, tell me about how because you know for disclosure purposes I, you guys maybe showed me plans for this uh, three years ago. Fair, well, okay, <laughs> if I say that, uh, yeah. they, they saw some plans for, uh, it wasn't this iteration of it, and then the hotel got added to it. Well, that's correct. And we didn't originally envision a hotel as being part of what we were going to build. But it became clear when we talked to Doug and others that the idea of having hotel rooms available downtown near experiences and not just the Encore Buffalo experience, but you know, near Canal Side and Harbor Center and the casino and Riverworks. And now you've got all of the development that's going on around that general area. Um, just enhances, again, the opportunity for us to keep people engaged with all the things that are available downtown. Uh, we. This is a region that's blessed with, you know, one of the seven natural wonders of the world. And how many times have you heard that people go to Niagara Falls and then they go over to Canada uh, All the to, time. to experience yeah. and, you know, and, and do other things because there's not much to do in Buffalo. Well, we want to make it convenient for folks to be down here staying in Buffalo and spending time walking around the local beautiful architecture and all of the experiences the museums and everything else and having some hotel rooms which also is going to, going to include event space so we want the accountants the bankers the lawyers that work in downtown buffalo to have their corporate meetings and their planning sessions and frankly their lunch hours spent down at this facility so not just hotel rooms but adding you know meeting space and and uh, banquet and event kinds of facilities we think is, is just another uh, positive for the local downtown environment. You know, in, in the hotel thoughts, Brett, you know, I've seen videos of 
golfers on golf trips, what have you, hitting off their balcony, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> into the pool. Um, we're gonna be able to hit hit out of your your room onto the thing. No, no, no. no. Okay, but, I mean, all right. That's about as close as you can get with the hotel being, you know, just above these hitting bays. At least you only have to go down a couple floors to be able to essentially hit off a balcony. We don't want them hitting golf balls from the top level of the hotel out into the street. Yeah, there we the go. Netting yeah. and that kind of, it becomes a liability issue for us. That makes sense. Um, uh, well, you know, when you see these videos, it's not like they're doing it legally right. either. So <laughs> uh, certainly a liability when they, they do it on those golf trips. Uh, speaking of the netting, so one of the things, you know, uh, questions you probably get, all right, I mean, we, we get some uh, unfair weather, perhaps in Buffalo, and location near the lake. Um, how will it be able to handle the winds and you know some of those lake effect snow blasts that uh, we, we know we're gonna get? Well, so the first thing is that we brought the architects and design engineers up to the site so that they really had a sense as to how close to the lake they are, what kinds of uh, wind patterns typically exist here, uh, and really understood what some of the challenges might be uh, at times throughout the year. If you look at the renderings, there's what looks like a wrapper uh, around the entire facility. And it's actually a series of wind breaks that also happen to double as the housing for very soft, diffuse lighting. So we don't need floodlights that you know point down onto a landing zone. Um, we've got some nice soft lighting that, that is uh, inside that, what we call the space frame. But that space frame serves as a buffer to winds coming in across the, the uh, surface of that game board, the landing zone where the golf balls are hit onto. The netting itself extends above that, but it is arced in. So if you've been to an, a top golf facility or a drive shack facility, you see these 170 foot poles that go straight up and the netting is strung between them. Not particularly attractive. And we decided that we wanted something that was, again, much more aesthetically pleasing uh, in a downtown setting or in an urban setting. But the other side of it is it has allowed us, with the architect's help, to design the facility in a way that you will not be able to hit golf balls out of it. So it's not a domed facility, but that netting comes in and leans in over the facility so as to keep balls inside of the facility, no matter whether you're Ryan Steenberg and a long drive <laughs> hitter or uh, you're someone like myself who struggles to get it out beyond the 170 yard target. Well, it uh, sounds like there's a lot of tech in involved in this. And, you know, Brett, that's what Encore's been about since from the get go. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, kind of going back to what I said before is, you know, originally we did come in as a, a golf ball company uh, and we were using uh, really interesting, innovative technology to break into the industry. Now we've kind of not only gained a reputation as really being innovators within the golf ball space, but uh, as being a tech company that is in the golf industry. Um, so it's a very interesting transition and again, an evolution of kind of our brand and the identity. Uh, but we realized early on that if we're able to uh, infiltrate an industry that is almost impenetrable and be able to not just survive, but you know th thrive through innovation and technology, 
uh, then that's kind of where we need to lead our next step, our next phase of uh, Encore Golf's you know, life, so life story and life cycle, which we hope is never ending. Um, so yeah, to be able to, to use technology in a way that is going to bring unbelievable experiences and help grow the game because of those experiences and help players get better because of that technology and do it in a fun, digestible way for the common everyday golfer uh, or people that are too afraid to pick up a club because they know it's difficult. Uh, that's kind of, that's the mark that we want to leave on the industry, you know, when people look back and think about what Encore, uh, you know, has done uh, with, with uh, not only tech, but just with its, its time here in the industry. And, and thank God for that transition, Kevin, because you've seen me golf. <laughs> my Sorry, I didn't my mean background, to... <laughs> my background is being a tech entrepreneur, not a golfer. So I'm, I'm much happier with where we are now, being a, a technology-based company that's doing stuff in golf, as opposed to being a golf ball company. Um, so it, it's worked out well for me. Forgive me for laughing immediately <laughs> and out loud there. Um, it, it is gonna be called Encore. Yes. Uh, the facility. Encore Buffalo. Encore yep. Buffalo, uh, which leads to a question, how many cities people have reached out to you since the announcement and some have been uh, privy to it prior to the announcement but when they saw the renderings and what what's going to happen and we should mention it is going to happen this is funded this is happening yes. here in buffalo yes uh the city is skeptic sometimes um but how many how many people have reached out to say hey when you get that done come do it here well it's interesting it we've had queries come at us from all over the country, in fact, actually from all over the world. And they've ranged from people who have their own real estate sites and want to put something like this on it, to folks who are, of course, investors that want to build something in their backyard and be co-owners of it. But we've even had uh, citizenry from cities contact us and say, hey, we, we really need something like this in our town. Would you guys consider? So it's been across the board in terms of the type of interest and that sort of thing. But it, uh, at the end of the day, it's been everything. Florida, New York, Boston, Las Vegas, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Cleveland, Phoenix, San Diego, LA, Sacramento, um, all over the place. And the challenge for us, of course, will be making sure that we're smart in the choices of what locations we choose next. Buffalo, as Brett mentioned, this is a first ever. So um, we've got to get this one right. We've got to make sure that the things, the choices we make and the, uh, the way we execute on this works. But we're very excited about the prospects for putting this in a number of other cities around the country and around the world. Let's, uh, let's move on to another project that was just announced that, you know, like you don't have enough going on project-wise, but now this uh, goes along with the innovation and uh, pop stroke uh, that was announced. Um, uh, gonna be putting uh, courses, if you will, uh, in facilities. Um, it's not putt-putt, it's uh, so much better than putt-putt and they've got a golfer involved who's helping design it. I, I've heard of him, he's had a decent career uh, in Tiger Woods <laughs> and your golf ball is going to be part of this. Brett, why don't you tell us about PopStroke and uh, the golf ball technology that's going to be involved there. Sure. Well, for people that have been following Encore Golf for a while, they, they heard about our Genius Ball project, which, by the way, is well on its way. Um, it's taken longer than expected, but 
Uh, that's just because the amount of tech and innovation going into this has never been done. This is uh, a chip inside a yeah, golf that's, ball. Yeah, you know, that's a ball with a brain. Um, so it's Does one it of those listen? things. Does it listen if we tell it to, come on, go, go? <laughs> it, it might. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where, you know, now that we have evolved into a tech company, uh, we've got to get everything right. You know, you can't come out and have uh, something that doesn't work or do what, what it says. In fact, we've done that from day one. But the smart ball that we're using for uh, pop stroke, which we'll be calling iPutt, uh, is essentially a dumbed down, even though dumb would be um, the incorrect mm -hmm. word for this, because even though it's not doing what the genius ball will do, uh, the amount of uh, difficulty in getting a ball to recognize the difference between putting, hitting a ball with a putter and the motion that's created from a putter uh, to the difference between that to rolling it or kicking it or dropping it uh, is unbelievable. And what Popstroke has, had asked us to do is to develop a golf ball that would be able to recognize and count strokes. Uh, because of course, as they um, roll out their facilities, and I, I think they're hoping to have around 40 within the next few years, um, they want to be able to do national leaderboards. They want to have, you know, serious competitions and there can be no cheating. Yes, it might be uh, considered easy to count your own strokes when all you're doing is putting, but it's also very easy to cheat. Um, so People for, tend to forget. Right, yes. right. <laughs> or so, they're bad at math. <laughs> so for this to be able to uh, discern the difference between uh, those things is just another groundbreaking innovation that Encore is bringing to the industry. Uh, I'll let you kind of go into further detail about how that, that happened, but uh, you know we're absolutely thrilled about especially who the course designer is for these facilities. Well, we two years ago announced the Genius Ball Project at the PGA show. And one of the attendees at the show was a gentleman named Greg Bartoli. And Greg had come from New York City. He had been a very successful trader and hedge fund manager and had sort of semi-retired. Young guy, but had made enough money that he was down in Florida and had a couple of uh, these miniature golf facilities already under his belt, but really wanted to do something that didn't involve windmills and clown faces. And so he started talking to folks who designed uh, turf-based miniature golf courses and wound up creating one in Port St. Lucie. Uh, Popstroke was, was the name that he applied to it and realized right away that it was attracting some serious golfers that you know really wanted to go at this game a little bit differently than just the, the entertainment aspect. And so he started to think about, as Brett said, the idea of creating something that allowed for some real competitions uh, these these look like real golf holes on a miniature scale. They have little sand traps that are white, you know, fabric turf and that sort of thing. Lots of topography changes. It's not on concrete. It's on on sand. And so Greg talked to us about the Genius Ball, and I told him at the time. I said, uh, the Genius Ball, first of all, is going to take a while to develop. You don't need a GPS chip in a putting ball, you can see where your ball is. So it's kind of overkill. Um, but, you know, maybe we can create something that's not quite as uh, uh, complicated or sophisticated. Well, a year went by, I never heard from him. Uh, he never heard really from us because we were working very hard on the genius ball challenges. 
And then about a year ago, September of 2018, Greg called me up and he said, hey, I've opened this facility. How long do you think it'll take to get one of these balls developed that will just count strokes? Being the eternal optimist, I said, oh, three to six months. The reality was it took us a year and we are just getting ready to roll this out on a commercial scale. We went down in the middle of August and had a flawless demonstration of a prototype ball. And so at that point, once he knew that this was going to be the ball for these facilities, he disclosed to me the fact that Tiger Woods was getting involved, mm -hmm. which of course simply you know, uh, lit another fire under us to move the project forward even faster. So as Brett mentioned, Tiger's designing you know, a number of these. They're looking to build up to 40 of them, primarily in, I'll say, the south and the west where they can be used all year round. They're not enclosed, they're outdoor facilities. But it's a really exciting project for us and it has uh, taught us some things that will be integrated into the Genius Ball. So our hope is it will have the Genius Ball project completed very early next year, bring that out, and now you can play with that ball on a real golf course. Oh, it's, uh, that, that's an exciting project to be a part of. Uh, the facilities sound uh, great, like yeah. fun. To me, anything that brings people to golf, um, you know, I always, you know, the, the numbers from the Golf Foundation, oh, three million people picked up the game, three million people left the game. Uh, but they don't necessarily tell you how people left the game. You know, Uncle Uncle Joe passed away at age 100. You know, right. he just played a lot of golf. Maybe, you know, that's why he left the game. Uh, an extreme example there, perhaps. Um, but anything that exposes people to golf where they have fun, um, you know, Greg Norman it came out with a thing, I think it was Club Car, uh, with, you know, the music entertainment systems right. on the carts. Yep. And, you know, I had a debate with... Uh, I'm going to say his name because uh, why not? Danny Gare, who you guys know. Mm -hmm. um, and for the folks listening, he's a hockey legend here in Buffalo and he used to work with him on broadcast. And he and I were having a discussion when he said, how do you feel about music on the golf course? I go, I love it. He's like, how do you like music on the golf course? <laughs> I said, well, not during a tournament. If I'm, not, if I'm playing a competition, no. But it's one of the ways I get my sons to come out and play golf, and particularly my older son, who's not that keen into the game. But, you know, he'll play a couple times a year. I'll say, hey, bring the music. You can be a DJ, we'll just keep it low. We shut it off when people come close and end the story. And, and I, I think people having more of a good time playing golf and uh, a lot of your social media posts are, are about that too, is the, the diversity of the game, as you, as you mentioned. Yeah, actually that's, you know, from the start, from the get-go, that, that has been part of our mission. You know, we came in with such a different technology and we were a company based in Buffalo rather than Carlsbad, California. And we thought, let's kind of leverage this whole um, going against the grain mentality. Uh, you know, we are different. We definitely were not wanted or accepted necessarily by the, the higher ups, you know, in, in the golf industry. So we said, well, let's be that Rebel Golf Company. You know, let's be the, the ones on the East Coast instead of the West. Um, you know, but it's, it's really transitioned into something beautiful where, uh, you know, whether it's working with First Tee programs or partnering with the LPGA or uh, you know, we may have an announcement about a junior golf program uh, coming up soon, which will be uh, another one. You might have to come back and interview yeah, about that. That but sounds like a hint. Yes. Even, uh, <laughs> even the Nomads was, uh, is a recent partnership that we've created, and they're a fascinating group. It, about 70, next year will be their 70th year. This past summer, we were down in uh, Whistler, British Columbia uh, for their annual tournament. They do one every year. Um, the Nomads is a group of African-American men highly successful 
that you know they started this group because back in the day they didn't have a course that they could play at so they were essentially nomads and now they play at the nicest courses in the world uh, they are the greatest bunch of, of men um, so inspiring I mean 60 minutes did a piece on them which is fascinating uh, and we had no idea really just how significant this group and influential this group is um, so it was an honor to, to you know um, be down there with them uh, I was the only Caucasian in the group but hey <laughs> you know, they adopted me pretty quickly for that for that weekend uh, but it was you know it's, it turned into something even more so where they 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 had said they had reached out to all the other equipment companies and the golf ball companies uh, to try and get a sponsor. They had never been sponsored by anybody. Uh, and they could not even get a golf ball company to um, so much as return their phone calls. Yet, the second they reached out to us, we, myself, um, Nasir Sutherland, uh, flew down there, provided balls for their practice round, provided balls for their tournament did a huge presentation for them, and the level of appreciation that they showed uh, for us being their first ever corporate sponsor has already you know, come back in spades. So it's not only good for the game, but it also shows that it can pay to um, you know, open, your, open your minds and open your uh, hearts and open your messaging to, um, you know, to the folks that want to play golf just as much as everybody else, uh, but are often ignored when it comes to what you're seeing uh, you know, through the day-to-day kind of marketing of this sport and for it to um, go into the next generation and be uh, something that everyone's excited about for decades to come. Those demographics, those, uh, that diversity needs to be uh, at the forefront and paid attention to. So we're pretty excited about it. Well, Kevin, let me turn the podcast around a little bit. Sure. One of the things that we've always, I think, liked about being involved in golf is the fact that it actually contains a lot of life lessons, right? We talk about cheating. I mean, for a lot of golfers, one of the most important aspects of the game is that they're policing themselves. They're counting their strokes. You know, if they violate a rule, the expectation is they fess up to it and so forth. It is hard. It requires you know, some discipline. It requires some commitment and dedication. I mean, a lot of aspects of, as uh, Arnold Palmer would say, you know, life well played are part of the game of golf. And I'm kind of curious as to how you see, because you travel the tournaments, the the character, the personality, the ethics of the game. I mean, you know, is it as good as it used to be? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? I, we like to think that the things we're doing are encouraging people to take up golf and to draw those positive lessons from it. Is golf doing what it needs to do to maintain those high standards and, and those positive lessons? Well, I, I think, uh, well, first of all, it's a fascinating question. Uh, so I hope I provide an equally fascinating answer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, what I, what I see on, on the PGA Tour, and uh, I see players, um, perhaps that standard increasing. Um, I, I see players wanting to do the right thing. And as we know, the rules of golf, even though we just went through a simplification 
of some rules of golf um, for speed of play and, and maybe to eliminate uh, some of these interpretations. Um, you know, as golfers and even pro golfers, they don't know all the different interpretations of the rules. Right. And they want to make sure they get it right. I, I see few of them just do something by themselves, unless it's a straightforward uh, thing where, okay, I went in the penalty area here, and uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the drop. Um, there have been times where they're not sure where it went out. I'll actually spot it for them sometimes, and but they'll and they'll bring the rules official over to say, just so you know, I'm going by his spot, and they'll be okay. Uh, Slugger Roy will be okay. Yeah, sure. You can you can drop mm-hmm. there, or the other golfer will come in. They always bring in the other golfer to say, "This is what I'm doing. This is what I believed happened, uh, or if my ball moved." We're seeing that more. So now some of that I think is because they want them to make. The other is because we're all watching, because of technology. N- nearly every shot is seen. Um, things happen, and they don't. You know, after the fact, they don't want to be perceived as doing something wrong. And frankly, there's so much on the line for them too. Um, not only in uh, money, um, legacy, but reputation. Nobody wants that reputation sure. of having done something wrong. Um, and, and players do commit infractions. They make mistakes. I, I don't think they're cheating. I, I think they, oh, geez, I, I, I didn't think I was violating the rule. Um, but when they call themselves on it, I think that is great for the game of golf, particularly for children to see, like, hey, yeah, look at your, your heroes are, are calling themselves on the rules saying I made a mistake. Rory McIlroy, for example, one I saw in person was in the 14th hole at Liberty National. Um, it, it's the hole in the golf course, a short par three. It's a wedge for him. Uh, the Statue of Liberty is right there and he hit it in the bunker and he thought there was a pebble. Now this is one of the new rules of golf and he thought it was a pebble um, in front of his ball that would have affected it or might have been behind. It doesn't matter the location. But he went to pick the pebble out and it just disintegrated. And it was just a clump of sand because it had been wet. And so he called the official over and said, hey, here's what happened. No one else, there were no cameras on, there were no cameras on that side because it was a marsh. Mm-hmm. Nobody could have seen it. He said, hey, this is what happened because I don't want to violate a rule. And he explained the situation and, and they assessed him a two-stroke penalty and Rory's um, reaction was, no, oh, okay, and played. And then after the round, they came to him and said, hey, let's go through this again before you sign your scorecard. Let's go through this again. What happened? This is what happened. They deemed it not a penalty after mm. that because he didn't improve his lie. He wasn't doing to improve his lie because he thought it was a pebble. Had he was just was removing a clump of sand, then okay, you can see it. It was an interpretation of a rule, and some people say, "Well, some people say, well, it's favorable or not." I'm like, "Well, I, I, you look at intent. You look at what he was going to do." Um, I, I think, and I think the explanation from the tour uh, all helps to that integrity, so players know uh, what's going to happen. So I, I hope that answers your question. It does. I mean, the, the one thing that I, I think, and, and they're changing this next year, I think 2020, the World Handicap System. There have been different systems, so now it's going to be across the board. This is the handicap that, that's going to go. The, the one area of integrity I think amateur golfers need to do a better job of is posting scores for their handicap. And what this new system is going to do is say, well, uh, if you haven't for a while, this is what your handicap should be. Like it's going to kind of think, project where you should be, or if things are crazy, say, you know what, that is so out of line, that's not counting, uh, which is great uh, because there's an area where I, I think – 
there's some amateurs that lack integrity when it comes to that um, and posting scores when they they post a great round or or you know before a tournament and believe me I see it because I serve as a handicap chairman <laughs> at a club I'm like wow that's amazing these scores went up uh, the, the the last revision before a big tournament you know that's no coincidence right well, I, there I think what makes golf such a fascinating sport is that unlike a lot of other athletic endeavors and an easy example would just be let's take the high jump okay there are people who have set records in high jumps that you and I know are physical impossibilities for us to achieve. Correct. But every single hole that you play on a golf course, you know you have the possibility of birdieing, possibly eagling, if you hit the ball right and if you put it properly and that sort of thing. So you, the possibility that you would actually achieve a score that is as good or better than any professional exists every single time you go out to play. So I think because of that, golfers, at least I hope, tend to feel like, well, I have to use conforming equipment and I have to follow the rules of golf because if I accomplish what I'm setting out to accomplish, whether it's for the hole or for the round, I want to feel like Yes, I've really accomplished that because there's nothing that prevents Kevin Sylvester from birdieing every hole on a golf course that he's played. And You're forgetting scoring, my brain. My and, brain prevents uh, me from doing that. But, but scoring 18 under par, right. which would be a world record, right? right. Well, and that's, that's one thing that reminds me of a story uh, a few years ago when we were sponsoring the uh, web event. Um, at Lecom, or where, where was that? Leak the Lecom. Lecom, right? thank you. Peak yeah, and Peak. Down to Peak and Peak. And yes. we played in the Pro-Am with Michael Hebert, who, by the way, we won that Pro-Am. He won that tournament, and that put him into the PGA, and he's been obviously uh, doing great ever since. But um, not that we're taking credit, but we can. We'll take a little bit of credit. <laughs> uh, but it was on one of the holes, and uh, we all just hit beautiful shots. I think it was hole 15, which is that big drop. Uh, par three and we are we were all about 10 yes. feet from the pin and he turns to me and he says that's what makes golf great on any given hole you can hit a shot that's as good as the best player in the world on the other end of that it's almost unbelievable to think that it is so hard to make that level of excellence when there are so many golfers that can hit multiple pars multiple birdies but to be able to do that throughout 18 holes and day in and day out, you know, tournament, four days of rounds. and be, It's just in, incredible. It's not like uh, on a hole that you got a par four on, a professional is getting a one. No, he's probably getting a three or a four as well. But then it's the 10 holes after that. Right. And the fact that the ball is standing still for you and is so hard to hit. Is, is the other thing that's incredible. But it is, you know, it's uh, just fascinating, too, to, um, to see why I think consumers are, golf consumers are so interested in tech and innovation uh, and is part of the reason we've been able to succeed is because they realize it's, you know, it's a game of millimeters, inches, strokes, and anything that can get them from a four to a three or a five to a four 
gets them that much closer to doing what a professional is most likely to do on that same hole. All right. Well, uh, so the amazing thing to me about this game is, um, well, there's the, the human element of it and all that goes into it, policing yourself, the integrity of the game um, it makes it great. The, the, the fascinating thing about the game is in the tools of the game, um, technology and science, hard to question it, um, and all the design that goes into it, but feel also a big part of it. It combines technology and feel, I think, like the no other sport uh, there is in the world. Maybe tennis, but I'm going to still say no because you use one racket in tennis. You use so many different clubs right. uh, in golf. I think that that's incredible. Uh, uh, speaking of incredible and somebody who accomplished something that's part of Encore Golf, Mr. 59, uh, El Geiberger. Uh, and, and you have Gary Player, a guy who's accomplished a lot of great things in golf. Tell me what it's like to have those two legends um, part of Encore Golf. Well, and that was part of what was interesting to me a few weeks ago was here we are, we're down at Colonial in Memphis, Tennessee, where Al Guyberger shot the first ever under sub 60 round of golf in a PGA tournament. And it took a while for someone else to shoot another one. That's, That's how right. great of accomplishment it was. And that was in 1977. You talk about the advances in technology and equipment and mental training and physical training that golfers have gone through in the subsequent 42 years and yet how often do you hear of, you know, a 59 watch, you know, when it when it's looking like a possibility, the golf channel's all over it. Like we could have a 59. It's an incredible accomplishment. It turns out too that that day was 103 degrees mm -hmm. and high humidity. I don't know that I could walk 18 holes, you know, and survive. And yet here was a golfer at that time and uh, you know he he put a string together of seven holes in a row where he was either birdieing or eagling the hole. And again, how many times do you hear about a string like that happening in even today's professional rounds? It just it's it's an unbelievable accomplishment. And yet there's there's Al Geiberger who accomplished that, and we have Gary Player who is known as probably one of the three or four all-time greatest golfers. Gary never shot a 59. Right. Here he is, you know, a three-time Masters champion, I think a seven-time U.S. Nine, major, nine, yeah, nine, nine he's, whatever. He's the Black Knight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, that's an accomplishment. You well, know, actually, what's, what's funny, too, is that you just talked about feel and technology and how feel is, you know, so unique to this sport. And when we got the first phone call from Gary Player, it was actually a voicemail that he left because uh, he had just played with the ball. And this is prior to him deciding he wanted to invest. And anytime you ask him about what he loves about the elixir, what he loves about our ball, he just hammers home feel. He said, it's feel, it's feel. It's <laughs> not about distance, it's not about accuracy. There's technology in this ball. I mean, this was him a couple weeks ago when we were shooting tip videos. He's like, there's technology in this ball that I can't even properly describe. But in 65 years, this is the best feeling golf ball on any club that I have ever played with. Uh, so it's, it, I mean, I just thought it was kind of funny that that is exactly what you talked about. And it is, it's a true hybrid of innovation, technology, and pure feel, uh, which is so important. But one of the things that certainly has been pure joy for me 
has been to be acquainted with those two outstanding gentlemen. They are personalities that uh, are hard to describe. They are tremendous people. They are tremendously interested in the fate of their golf game and the fate of the world. Uh, they're both very, very nice gentlemen. And I'll add to that list, not a professional golfer, but uh, another connection that we were able to make actually through Al Geiberger, which is Charles Schwab. Uh, another him. just yeah. just <laughs> tremendous person. And uh, we've been we've been very blessed uh, in being able to establish relationships with with such fine people. And again, it speaks to, I think, the nature of the game that it attracts and retains and uh, you see the accomplishments of people with those kinds of personalities and for us uh, we, we just want you know that to be the kind of company that we are the kind of people we associate with uh, we hope our customers you know fall into that category as well for obvious reasons you recently had the Bills quarterback here Josh Allen who I, I understand is a pretty good amateur golfer he is. Actually, he, he describes himself as being an okay golfer. He says that, uh, uh, that, that Mr. Williams is, is much better than he is. But, def former but, defensive tackle Kyle Williams. Ex yeah. Exactly. And, uh, but Josh is, if nothing else, a very high-energy, uh, positive outlook athlete, which, uh, again, for us would be a great fit. We'd, we'd love to have him playing the golf ball. We'd love to have him involved with the company. As he, he seems very, very interested in what we're doing, and he couldn't believe when he saw the, the press release about the Encore Buffalo facility and reached out right away and said, I've got to get involved in oh, cool. this. So well, and, and just so, you know, for people that hear about, you know, he is very witty, quick-witted. He's got a great personality. Um, but for all the Bills fans that hope that, you know, they are who – you would want them to be. You know, you hear about so many celebrities and athletes just being nightmares of personalities. He is truly one of the nicest, sweetest guys. <laughs> I mean, we just walked out there like, man, don't you just love that kid? Like, and he is such a likable guy and he is in love with Buffalo. I mean, yes. I told him, you know, I said, you realize that you're not allowed to leave. Like, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo City of Buffalo, you know, will not let you leave. You're, you're gonna, you know, you're like their son now. And he said, I don't want it. He said, I want to play for 20 years here and then stay after. He's like, I can't imagine being, being anywhere else. So, um, you know, just for all the Bills fans, uh, rest assured he is as likable and genuine of a person as you would hope that the guy leading our team uh, every Sunday is. So it was fun to have him in here. Yeah, he's, he's doing great so far. Well, um, my final question here is what's next? You know, I mean, you got <laughs> getting getting the project uh, encore done. Um, that's a big deal. Not, not that you don't have a lot on your plate, but uh, you guys are always working on something. And well, in the immediate future, um, obviously the Genius Ball 2020, uh, we're looking to, to bring that out. Uh, we've got two iterations of the next version of our uh, Elixir Tour Ball. That so far testing has shown. Holy cow. Uh, for an engineer, our engineers who are top-notch in the industry, um, have worked for all the big guys before and uh, played very prominent roles to be as excited uh, as they are about, you know, the kind of results they're getting from this next version. Uh, 
we can't wait. So that's going to be another you know product launch. We just brought out new polos, um, beautiful, high quality new polos. Couple new hats. We're uh, going to be launching a hat in the next coming months from uh, an Encore New Era hat as well uh, that we're really excited about. And uh, and the other yeah. thing is we've continued to look for ways to again engage our golf customer community with experiences. So this year in September, I think it was, we had our first ever Encore Cup, a US versus Canadian golfer competition. We held it up Ryder at- Ryder Cup style. Yep. Seneca Hickory Sticks. Yeah, I was disappointed I was out of town for it. I'm and sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you the, uh, the, the reaction of all of the golfers there was just so positive. They had such a great time. Uh, really enjoyed it, so we're looking forward to repeating that and looking for other opportunities like that. Again, just to uh, to help, you know, spread, if you will, not just the word about Encore, but the enjoyment that people get from the game with what we can do. Well, it's it's great. I, I'm I'm thrilled for you guys uh, and everybody at Encore. Thanks um, for for how things have evolved because I know it. It's been a, a, a road that has certainly not been straight <laughs> for roller coaster, right, for sure. with any startup. Um, and it's Seven a, years to an overnight success, as they say. There you go. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate uh, spending time with me and having me here at headquarters. Thanks. Yeah, thanks really so appreciate much. it, Kevin. Like many people in Western New York, I can't wait for the project to be completed. The designs look spectacular, should be great. It's going to be great and probably the start of many that are gonna happen in the United States and perhaps beyond as uh, they perhaps alluded to. If you haven't tried Encore's golf balls, the Avant ball, the Elixir ball, go to EncoreGolf.com, that's O-N-C-O-R-E golf.com. There you can order some of the golf balls, uh, some of their products, hats, shirts, towels that they have out and learn all that they have going on and get their social media links again, EncoreGolf.com. Thanks again to Keith and Brett and everybody at the Encore Golf Headquarters. Until next time, I'm Kevin Sylvester. Thanks for listening to the TD Green Podcast.